0: Today's first scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. On the last 10 greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from in them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since so Jesus had not yet been glorified. And the second scripture reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to do a so live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeed of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord.
1: When we think about the Holy Spirit, I don't know if we really understand fully who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. Perhaps we are clouded by what has been popularized by thinking of the Spirit in the same way as the Force from Star Wars. I mean, I know I love Star Wars, but it puts the idea out there of the Force as this impersonal feeling and power that can be harnessed by certain individuals. I mean, before they ruined it in the prequels, but I mean, they just, that's another thing. But this impersonal thing that you can sort of tap into, you know, this isn't actually new, but was a Hellenistic idea that it was also floating around the time of Jesus as well. Perhaps it's a feeling of unease when we think about the Trinity and how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three persons and yet co-equal in sharing the one divine essence, one God. So not only is the Trinity a mystery, but the Spirit remains a mystery as well. Or perhaps we're not comfortable with the recent expressions of the Spirit, as there are different manifestations of what it meant to be filled by the Spirit, especially in Toronto over the last 20 years or so, and especially in the Western Hemisphere. I think it's this uneasiness around the Spirit that, that can keep us from understanding who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does And that's to our detriment. You know, the Spirit is God and is the fulfillment of promises made by God in the Old Testament for the supreme benefit, for our benefit, so that we can be sealed, so that we can know certain deep-rooted things about ourselves, but we'll get into that later. So that's where we're gonna be going this morning. That's where we're gonna be taking a look at. Who is the Spirit? What does the Spirit do? You know, the Spirit is not a recent invention. But it was present right at the beginning, right at creation. In the opening words of the Bible, it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. The whole trinity involved God the Father creating through Jesus by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, we hear about the Spirit coming upon particular people at a particular time for a particular purpose. Some examples of that were Bezalel. He was given the, uh, the gift of the Spirit so that he could use arts and creativity to the glory of God as they built up the temple and the spirit came upon prophets so that they could speak specific messages to the people of God giving them hope but also giving them hard truth as well you know the old testament can be summarized in this is that they are the promises of God that that come to be fulfilled you know in the prophet of joel he said this and that it will come about after this that I will pour my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophecy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions and even on male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Ezekiel chapter 36, again, here's another great promise. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh because we can't do it on our own. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You know, God was doing something. He's building this dynamic. And God promised to do this amazing thing through the spirit. In the New Testament, we're told that the spirit is also identified as counselor, gift giver, helper, the one who is always with us. And that's who the Spirit is, it is, uh, the Spirit is God. The Spirit is the gift of God, sealed in us, identifying us as believers as well. You know, it is tough, it is confusing, it is a mystery, but we confess that each distinct person is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, And that the deity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one equal in glory, co-equal in majesty. And this is the spirit that we talk about. And this is the spirit that sometimes we get confused about how how do we relate. So this is who the spirit is, very God, given to us, always with us. And what does the spirit do? So, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn them open to that passage in John. And let's take a look together. Because here we're going to see that the Spirit, identified by Jesus Christ as God, also makes us channels of grace. So, here's what's going on. It is the Feast of Tabernacles The Feast of Booths, also known as. And during this feast, the Jewish people were thanking God for providing water for the previous year and asking him to again provide water in the coming year. Very agrarian culture. They need water to survive. Water is life. And yet it's also a powerful reminder that God provided for them during their wilderness wanderings. It harkens back to the Exodus when they were were delivered out of Egypt's hand And they're wandering through the desert, and God is taking care of their every need. And so here's this feast where they are commemorating that. They are remembering that God takes care of them, that God gave them water, even in the wilderness, even in the desert. In the New Testament times, the priests would get water. They would pour it on the steps of the temple for the first seven days of the feast. It symbolized that God provided water from the rock. But on the final day, they wouldn't pour water out in the steps because it symbolized that God fulfilled his promise. They are now in the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, that all their needs have been met. And it's at that moment on the great last day of the feast that Jesus stands. He speaks to the people who are there and he makes this bold connection and he cries out, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. He makes this bold connection. Not only did God keep his promise of leading the people into the land, but here is the true rock who can provide water to those who are thirsty. He makes this connection. And he says, "He who believes in me the scripture said from the innermost beings will flow rivers of water, of living water." You know, not a trickle. Not a reservoir but an abundance, a flowing abundance that just pours through. And John, he interprets what this means in verse 39. He says that this is Jesus predicting the coming of the Spirit, the promised Spirit, the one that says in Joel, you know, for old men, for men and women, for servants, for this outpouring physical thirst can be taken care of by drinking water but here we see we have a spiritual thirst that cannot be quenched except through Jesus Christ only through Jesus Christ and out of the innermost being will flow living water life of the spirit flows through us to others and this is what the spirit does is that the spirit makes us channels we are quenched yes yes you know, wherever you are in your life, and I don't know where you've come from or, or what's going on in your lives this morning or this past week or maybe even a season of life where maybe you're feeling pretty dry and maybe a little bit crispy around the edges and maybe you've been burned by work or by people or even relatives, close friends. It happens. And we're thirsty. And we get so thirsty. And yet Jesus says here, If you are really thirsty, come to me and the Holy Spirit will be given to you and not just a little pool, but to overflowing. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit makes us into channels of God's grace. It makes us channels of God's mercy to ourselves. It overflows to others. It quenches our thirst and it gives us the ability to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to other people so that they are also quenched. So that all their dryness and all the crispiness and all the things that happen because of the hardness of life and the hardness of relationships and all those things can be softened. And so that God can minister to us and through us to others. This is what the Holy Spirit does. You know, instead of Jesus being personally present with his disciples throughout life, He said that he would continue his ministry and the Holy Spirit would be given to them so that their words, their deeds would no longer be merely human acts but channels of divine grace. They would, in effect, this is what a theologian wrote, they would, in effect, themselves become sources of life for those who heard their word and believed. You know, and it echoes, we can also take a look at what John the Baptist said that, you know, I'm just baptizing with water but there will be one after me. The Messiah will come and he will baptize with the Spirit. You know, Nikki Gumble makes this great point in his video just about how baptized it means to drench, to overwhelm, to immerse, to plunge. And that we can be overtaken by the Spirit like that, that we can be filled, that we can be overwhelmed, plunged, and that God can use us to then minister to others. This is what the Spirit does. Nikki Gumbel also makes this connection to one of his friends in ministry, Jackie Pullinger. And she sailed halfway across the world and ended up in Hong Kong in 1966, at the beginning of the Cultural Revolution. So all these refugees were streaming from mainland China into Hong Kong. And she went to an area of the city that was just falling apart and was just really full of darkness. And yet the Spirit was filling her so that she could go there and minister to others. And she has this quote that I think is really important for us to hear. Is that God wants to give us soft hearts and hard feet. And I really love that. And that's what the Spirit is wanting to do in us. We need our hearts broken so that it can become soft. And we need hard feet that are willing to go into the hard places and to be the living water there. That is what the Spirit does. What else does the Spirit do? The Spirit also connects us relationally to God. So if you want to also just stay with me here and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. And this is what the Spirit does, relates us to God. We are not under obligation. There is this war that wages within us. I mean, before you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, you know, when you're trying to follow Jesus, and you know, the flesh is always there, the power of the flesh is there, and, it, and we are battling, we battle, we battle. But we are not un, under obligation to the flesh. Because the proof is in the pudding. Who are we actually being led by? Who do we follow? Who do we reflect? No, we are living by the Spirit. And if we live by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. And if we live by the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit, there's this presumption there that there's someone trustworthy that we can follow. And there is also in us a willingness to be led. And if we are led by the Spirit, we understand that we are children of God. Now, and I don't think that we think about that enough of what that means to really be identified and mark ourselves as children of God. Because that sets our foundation for everything else that we do, that every, every way else that we live in this life that we are unconditionally known and loved. Unconditionally, no strings attached. You know, not the right language that we use, not coming to God polished and shined and you know, self-righteous in the things that we can bring to the table because we, could, we don't bring anything to the table. And the Spirit identifies us. If we are led by the Spirit, we are children of God because it reflects in our lives as well. You know, there's some amazing things that Paul writes here. He says that we are not under obligation, but we're being led by the Spirit. We are sons, daughters of God, and you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. And I think that's really important to know that this is what the Spirit does the Spirit transforms our hearts so that we're not living in shame and sort of skulking around and saying, maybe I can hide this from God or maybe I can present myself this way to my fellow church members on a Sunday. Hey, everything's fine. You know, but we take that mask off before God and we live honestly before each other and this is what the Spirit does, that there is no fear because that's slavery, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of God, as children of God, which we cry out, Abba, Father. That we can come to God and we can say and call him the most intimate of names. One of the things that this reminds me of, I mean, there's a number of examples. You know, when John F. Kennedy was in office where his son would have free access to roam around the White House and he would just barge into the White House office, Oval Office, and just come to his dad because that's the boldness that he had. It's his dad. You know, There's a more recent example that I still find so hilarious. There's a CNN interview where this, uh, he's uh, basically an expert in Korean relations, and he's, he's sitting in front of the camera, and he's like very serious, he's got his tie on and everything, and all of a sudden behind him, his daughter barges in, and she's got these glasses on, and she's doing this robot dance, and it's just absolutely amazing. And she does this because she knows this is my dad. I don't care if he's in front of TV doing important stuff, like, I'm going to come because I have free access to my daddy, not Professor So-and-so, you know, not doctor and the, all the letters behind his name. No, this is Papa. And the Spirit does that. It marks us as children and gives us a boldness that we can come before God and say, Daddy. And say, here are all the things that are going on in my life. Here's all my hurt. Here's all my pain. Here's all the good things that are going on. And I say to you, Daddy. The Spirit testifies with with our spirit. There is is this harmony of recognition. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know your thirst is quenched, and you know that you are now a child of God. But we just keep needing reminders, and the Spirit testifies with our spirit. We are children of God. It speaks against fear, it speaks against cynicism, hopelessness, because as children we know who God is. Not only the judge, a good loving judge, but also a good loving father whose eyes are constantly scanning the horizon, waiting for his prodigal children to come home. You know, and even more mind-blowing If sons and daughters, then also heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Having the Spirit marks us as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And I just, I want to take a moment. Can can you take that in for a moment, what that really means? That we are beneficiaries of all the things that God holds, that we are co-heirs with Christ. And so remember that you are Jesus Christ's brother or sister, if you are a follower of him. And take a moment to wrestle with the truth that whatever Jesus is entitled to, you are too. The Spirit testifies we are children, therefore we are heirs. This is what the Spirit does is relationally, the Spirit ties us to God the Father. The very person of God is there so that we might also relate to God the Father and know that unconditionally we are children, that unconditionally we can come before the throne of God and be bold there and know deeply rooted in our hearts that we are loved. And all the things that happen in this life and all the backstabbing, and all the things that can happen to hurt you, you know, we are quenched and we are made free. And together, you know, not only ministry, yes, outside these walls, absolutely, but also within here too, that we can be the living water and not a trickle but a flow to each other. And we don't have to hide that, and we don't have to put up those masks and try to pretend that something else is going on that's not, but we can be that to each other. We can be that source of ministry to each other, and we can know that we are secure, that we are known, and that we are loved. Just to finish off, just a quick story from myself personally. You know, I was a student at U of, U of T, and I really struggled my first year. It was 1996, and it wasn't just a struggle academically, like most of us struggle through, and also spiritually, which is also, which many of us struggle through as well. You know, the spiritual distance was one that had been growing all throughout high school. It's something that just there was just a wedge that started and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I wanted to live my own life and deny any relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe some of you experienced God's love for us, and you know that it's a pursuing love. And no matter how hard you try to run, he chases you down. So I went for one year to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus in a Bible school program. I had to go halfway across the world, and God used it to change my life, and I felt this call to ministry, which God opened the door to confirm this call. And I came home and visited with friends from first year, and that was when I realized the work of the Spirit, that my thirst was quenched, that I identified as a child of God. You know, that first year, I was just increasingly getting unhappy and just so stressed out all the time. I mean, it, it showed physically, like in my body, like I just wasn't well. And, you know, as friends, they could read that. And as a person, I was just getting increasingly more anxious. But when I met them again, one thing that they came away with and they just couldn't help but just say to me as we were sitting was just, Alvin, you are so different. And there's just a piece about you that has changed. And this isn't something I was intentionally trying to do, like when I set up this visit time, you know, Just like think peaceful thoughts. Think peaceful thoughts. Like that wasn't something I was I was trying to do, but just something that in our conversation, in our relating to each other, in our catching up with, with what was going on in our lives, that God was just had done in my life. Living water, overflowing, identifying as a child of God, crying out, Abba, Father and my thirst was quenched, and my identity was made rock solid and unconditional, and just knowing that I'm a son, that nothing can shake that, and that you are also sons and daughters of God when you put your faith in Christ. Nothing can shake that. You know, there is no day like today You know, and I just feel like if the Holy Spirit is moving in you and there's just, maybe you have a thirst that just needs quenching. Or maybe you feel like, I want to know what it's like to be unconditionally named as a child of God. You know, I would love for you to stick around and we pray here in these corners here. And to not push it off and say, okay, you know, I just got to get some things worked out and I don't want to get all emotional in front of people and all this stuff. And I say that because that was me too. Right? I'll just, I uh, just got to push it off another week and then I'll just go out into the forest and just like really have a really wicked cry, right? <laughs> just by myself and just, and then like pull it all together and come back, right? But I just want to invite you, you know, if this is something that God is doing in your heart today and something that, that you just are thirsty and that you are just fried and you've been burned. And I'd love for you to stick around and receive prayer after. And I would love to pray for you now as well. But let's pray together. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that your promised Holy Spirit has come, that you are a promise-keeping God. Thank you that you are here right now. And God, I just want to pray that your spirit would, yeah, move amongst us, that you would fill us, and that you would fill us to overflowing again. And for those of us who maybe feel a bit dry, yeah, that you would fill us. And God, I want to pray for those who are feeling hurt and maybe don't, are just untethered and lonely. God, may you call us and help us to yearn to be children, to be your children, to be loved by a loving God, a loving Father. And for those of us who maybe, you know, we've we've been here and done that for a long time. Lord, soften our hearts once again and maybe we've been too safe in this, in this building. And so, God, we pray for soft hands, soft hearts, and hard feet. Spirit, send us out. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.